Hello, world. Welcome back to Golf Subpar. Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz. Please, we got to give a big shout out to Sam Burns, who just won his third PGA Tour event in the last 12 months. But first, before we get to that, I think we need to address a little something. What's that? Uh, we had this interview what are you last referring week to? with Greg Norman. Mm, oh, yeah. With Live Golf, that you know was I knew going in, please, that this thing it was going to be people were gonna, some people were going to love it, some people were going to hate it. The amount of criticism and shit we got from people, I thought was a little unnecessary. There were some unhappy individuals there with the question asking. I as soon as we took the headsets off after that, I was like, we're going to catch shit for being too soft on them. But we both, you and I, both discussed going in like, hey, this is about these new events. This is not the same model that he came out with the first time where it's a whole tour. This is eight events. It's separate. Who can play? Who can't? How does it work with the PGA Tour schedule? It was mostly around these new events, new information that he'd personally never spoken about before. But we didn't ask the Saudi stuff and all about the money, which, by the way, he's been asked and has been answered a number of times in the past. And we're like, look, this is new information about these new events. Let's go with that. And that's what we did. And um, yeah, we get uh, dragged by some folks that thought we should ask some harder hitting questions. But, you know, them's the breaks. Yeah, it, it happens. You know, like you said, hey, at least they're talking about us, hey. which is good. It might not all be positive. Some of it was rather, rather harsh, I thought, saying some we should be absolutely effing embarrassed. I'm um, complicit. Worst journalist. In worst, what's going on yeah. over there for asking yeah. about a golf tour. But it is, I mean... You know, you knew that was going to come. It's a little more of a sensitive interview, but we tried to ask the questions about golf, around golf, that we thought needed to be answered, and I thought we learned a lot more about these events. I think the biggest problem I had with it is all most of the criticism acts like we're on their side. Yeah, that we tried to be, and I thought we did, like, in part, like, we're not pro PJ Tour, pro, they, like, let's gather the information well, I'm pro PJ and, Tour. and let everybody decide what you want to do. Like, it's just question, answer, question, answer. It was less of a conversation than a lot of our podcasts where we're telling stories and joking it was more like hey let's get the actual information but uh i don't i can't remember saying anything at any point that was like yeah we're pro live events or no we're anti pga tour i just the only thing i said i was like well when guys start getting paid 3.6 million for winning there's gonna be some guys on the pga tour that are gonna want to you know might raise an yeah, eyebrow and i think one of the biggest things for me is i thought going into this this was going to be a rival tour to the pga tour which like, it was, was initially yeah and now they've obviously changed their tone quite a bit you don't have to play all eight events. You can come and go as you please. He wants people, it sounds like, to play on the PGA Tour and the Live Golf Tour. But, man, I just I, I haven't been attacked like that in quite a long time. You it get was, in there, too, and you mix it I, up. I, that's one of my deals. I get tagged I like to on fire all the back. tweets. Yeah. I was like, I started getting this one. Bam, bam. You've been mentioned or, you know, the tweet you've been mentioning. I was like, oh, my God, here we go. Well, here's my deal. When people come in and attack me, like, I'm not just going to sit there and take it. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fire back with facts that these people have no idea about. The fact that people were sitting there saying, you know, you were told you couldn't ask about this or you had all this prepared. And all this. First off, we were allowed to ask whatever we wanted. We chose not to go that direction. And people were comparing our interview to like if we didn't. <laughs> I don't even want to go into some of the things they said. It was just ridiculous. I'm sorry for the some of you that didn't approve of the of the yeah. interview. But for the rest that really liked it we, we we thank you i learned a lot about the tour through it that's all i know and that was our goal going in i feel like we got a lot of new information about that tour from the man himself that wasn't out there before there's some questions we didn't ask of course could we have asked about all that stuff yes has it been asked yes are the answers out there sure um but we tried to get new information we tried to you know ask the questions that were pertinent to these new events and uh, i thought we did that and of course we we're not a political podcast like think of think of human rights of, none of that no. live golf what you want you want to hate it that's totally fine you want to love it that's totally fine too we're just trying to get information so it's so day, funny that's what it is that all the hate i got was just from random people on twitter and then the amount of texts i got from people in the golf world whether it be pga tour players or just 
other media people in the golf world saying how great it was. Yeah, I got some from some tour yeah. guys as well, like had no idea about this and things but, like that. So it is what it is. You're not going to make everyone happy. We try our best to do a good job and ask the questions. But whatever. I'm very, I'll be honest. I'm very excited for this next episode to come out. Now we're going to so come with a on. fun one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But let's talk a little bit about Sam Burns, who has just been on an absolute tear. You and I have been high on him for a very long time. We expect him to be on that Ryder Cup team over in Rome. But man, this guy, he just keeps getting better and better. He's up to number 10 in the world. Uh, became the first guy since Paul Casey, first and only guy since Paul Casey to defend at the Valspar. What a clutch putter he had coming down the stretch. The big par putt on 16, the bogey putt on 17, and then hit a great putt on regulation, but ended up getting it done in a playoff over Davis Riley, who also, go ahead and throw it out there, he's going to have a very bright future. By stock, by stock in Davis Riley right now. He's the guy, the name that if you talk to guys on the Corn Ferry Tour, when there's graduates coming out, you're like, hey, who's the guy who's going to have the big career? Who's the next stud? His name was like across the board. Justin Thomas been telling us about him for a while. This was kind of the first look for everybody to see his game up close and personal. That golf swing ain't going Beautiful. anywhere. I'll tell you what, I was watching him yesterday. It was really the first time I got to see him for an extended period of time. There's a comp there, I think, with Max Homa, that there's a there's some similarities there. That golf swing, you slow it down, put it up on on video and draw lines on it. it not a lot of positions out of whack. They look, they have like the same size and frame and scruff and all that. I saw a little bit of, of Max and that guy, and they're kind of comparable guys, like big-time college players coming out, maybe takes him a minute, but he's 25 years old. He just got his best finish on the PJ Tour. And to bounce back like he did after that triple on five where he could just go away at that point. Like, you just got kicked in the mouth. He hung around, gave himself a chance, yeah. and and Burns just, uh, with the, like you said, on 16 and 17, and the, the monster putt on, Great uh, on the playoff, too. which I did not, I was not feeling like that was one that goes yeah. in. And speaking of Davis Riley, while we're talking about him, I told you this on our SiriusXM show earlier. A couple years ago, Josh Gregory, who's been a guest on the pod here, good friend of mine, work, helps out Davis Riley. He texts me one day. He's like, hey, you want to see some golf porn? I'm like, well, this is awkward. Yeah, uh, but hold may, the golf. May, maybe. <laughs> Sir, but, so he sends me a, a video of Davis Riley's golf swing, and I'm like, oh, okay. It's a joke. I love that. I mean, Very it nice. looks like it's like Max's when we watch him. We're like, so when do you hit bad ones? Yeah. There ain't a lot going that, wrong. Man, it's been a hell of a run in golf. I mean, it's been some exciting tournaments the last several weeks. Uh, tons of them. Tons of them. We got the match play coming up, which is always a fun week, lined up with March Madness. But um, there's some dudes going right now, some young guys going. We talked about, you know, we expect Sam Burns to be on that Ryder Cup team. There's some some shuffling going on right now. DJ's out of the top 10 for the first time and feels like forever. Yeah, and how about Sam Burns? It's hard to believe. He'll be making his Masters debut this year. And as the top 10 player in the world, Number which 10, doesn't happen often. We discussed earlier, and I got um, I got some info from a friend at CBS who told me, because I figured, I was like, this has got to be the highest-ranked player to ever be making his Masters debut and most amount of wins with three PGA Tour wins. Actually, Colin Morikawa in the November Masters in 2020, was number four in the world and also had three PGA Tour wins. Debuted at number Crazy. four. Not bad. That's going to be a tough one to beat. I mean, you got to just come out and start firing and win a ton of stuff in a very short period of time. And you will also be making your Masters debut. Did I get a sponsor's invite? You did. <laughs> I've been waiting on it, dude. I've been waiting. They know what's going on down in Augusta, but we will be there. And we got tickets for our clubhouse event in Augusta, Georgia, are available right now on golf.com. We'll be at the Savannah Brewing Company with our friends from TaylorMade and Doers. We're going to be down there on Tuesday, April the 5th for a live show. little VIP meet and greet, so get your tickets now on golf.com. Stay tuned for more details and announcements on our social in the coming days. This is going to be fun. We did this up at the Ryder Cup at Trey Shapas. We're going to be down here at Savannah Brewing Company. You got the Masters. You got beer. You got brew. You got gravy in the sleeve. We're going to be coming in. We're going to have a good time. Looking forward to that. going to be a lot of fun. We're going to we're hopefully have a special guest. We're going to do an interview that Tuesday during the show. So, so make sure you go get your tickets now on golf.com. And our guest this week, Slice, 
This one's this one's shit. We we shift gears a little We're bit here. We're shifting back into some fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. We got a former NFL quarterback in the building and a golf freak. Brock Osweiler joins us. One of the many QBs that hangs up the cleats and just dives into golf, and he is Loves fully. It. You cannot go to one of the courses around here on Monday through Friday and not see him out hitting balls, playing whatever. But man, I you know I've I've been around him a little bit up at Whisperock, and he used to be a member at Silverleaf as well. Didn't know him that well. Didn't know what to expect going in, but he was a lot of fun. He's as good as they get, man. He's so fun to play with. He is eat up with golf and also uh, very fun to hang Did with I see off you the golf course. Recently rocking one of his Super Bowl rings. Okay, one, yes. His, so, his only Super Bowl ring? Yeah, we can do that now. We just went over. He had a little party over at his house, went over there. He's got all his memorabilia. He's got the Super Bowl ring for the Broncos. He's got the Lombardi. He also has all of his helmets. So he's got his Denver helmet sitting there. I'm like putting this thing on, going to catch a few balls, of course. Strapped you- it on. He then straps on like his Texans helmet. And he proceeds to, you know, headbutt me. Seven, I'm pretty sure I'm still concussed from that. I, I should be in Wait, CTE you got protocol. it over your head? It's tight. I looked like Peyton when he used to come out with the little line right here. I was like, come on, bro. Get a little. And he's like 6'8". I mean, it's a giant. Threw some balls. A little bit different, but fairly certain I'm still concussed from that event. All right. Well, I'm yeah. sure there were some doers flowing over there at the Brock Osweiler party. Like a waterfall. And we're proud to announce doers as the presenting sponsor of Subpar and the official Scotch whiskey of the 122nd U.S. Open at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. Discover doers' remarkable lineup of Scotch whiskeys, most notably their 12, 15, and 19-year-old limited, limited champions edition developed in partnership with the USGA. Doers is the perfect after-round indulgence, extraordinarily smooth yet complex. Enjoy Dewar's double-aged Scotch whiskeys any way you like, be it neat, on the rocks, in a whiskey highball, with a twist, or classic old-fashioned. Tell me, Slees, what, what kind of Dewar's, what'd you do with your Dewar's over there at Brock Osweiler's? Uh, well, funny you should mention that. Had a little Dewar's old-fashioned, mm-hmm. which, uh, that's next level. That's blast-off mode. You get into those old fashions right there. So, had to partake, you know what I mean? It was a little event. We're celebrating life out there, and I celebrated, and it did the trick. Tell you that. I'll tell you what, after this Twitter explosion that we had over this Greg Norman episode, I needed a rather stiff one. I just poured me a big, big doers right on just, the right on a big rock and just sipped on it while I fired back at all these that's Twitter That's what you haters. do. That's the healthy way to respond is grab a bottle of doers, drown yourself, and get those thumbs working. Well, go get your doers and enjoy. All right, here we go. Here's Brock Osweiler on Golf Subpar. All right. This fellow we got with us here today has what I would call possibly the dream life. Went from uh, starting quarterback at ASU to seven years in the NFL where he won a ship with the greatest team in the world, Denver Broncos. Okay. Uh, won a Super Bowl and now plays golf every day till his hands bleed, basically. Brock Osweiler in the house. How are you, bud? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Good yeah, to have you here. And you brought gifts, dude. You show yeah. up, you freak, you know the deal. I did. And, and you know, kind of like I told you guys when I rolled in, I know you guys do research on, on your podcast guests. So I did some research on you guys. And it sounds like you want the show to feel like that. <laughs> you're sitting around the table. You just played 18 holes. You're sitting around with your pals telling stories, so we brought we brought some cigars and bourbon. Well, if it wasn't raining outside, that's exactly what would have happened. <laughs> yeah, is this what it takes for you to not get? A, I mean, because you're out there all the time. It's got to be like it's cold and rainy and shitty today. That's got to be the only thing that keeps you out. 100. There's there's too many good days of weather here in Scottsdale to to force really anything below probably that 62, 63, and you know, balmy. Mm-hmm. Now, if the sun's out, it's a different story. You, but but today's no golf. Well, no you golf. got you got the rock hat on. Actually, before I came here, I had to swing by there and grab something. It's 42 and raining here in Scottsdale, oh. and there were people out playing. 
I was like, what are y'all doing? It is so nice here, like 300 days a year. What are we doing? Yeah. That's why we have Dyson cards, right? That's exactly. That grill is nice when That's you get these Dyson. rare days. People just show up like they're not even wearing golf clothes. Like, no, I just came up here. Your boy Pout Pout was there going out. Oh, Pout Pout was texting. He had a group of guests. He had yeah. six people in town. I was oh. like, boy, what a tough break what that is. What a disappointment is. for those guys not to share the, the course with let's, him. Let's talk a little about your golf game. When did you, when'd you start? Because I know you were obviously a stud athlete growing up. So my golf game started, let's think, uh, my first NFL offseason oh, wow. would have been in 2013. I'll never forget it. Um, go to Exos, do the, I think it was either a 6, 7 a.m. workout that they had for the, the NFL guys at the time. Went and did the group workout. And it was roughly, you know, mid-morning. Completed the workout, did my PT, did all that stuff. And it was the first time that I had an entire day to do nothing. I had no class. I had no kids, I had no wife. So I'm just kind of sitting here, I'm like, well, what the hell do I do? Yeah. And my best friend's a great golfer. We grew up together in, in, um, in Montana. He lives down here now, plays a lot of golf. So he hit me up and he goes, hey, uh, you wanna hit the course with me? So I had no idea what I was doing. Long story short, I show up to DC Ranch. I think I shoot 140 and my golf career begins. There you go. But so you had a blast doing it. Had a hell of a time. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I mean, what sport? What, you, what sport can you drink a vodka soda while playing? You're playing with your pals and everything else. There's only one. And right? talk shit well, and listen to bowling. Maybe is that kind of a sport? I mean, Marshawn Lynch seemed to drink a few things before he went out there. <laughs> yeah, he does okay. When you show up for the first time, the like, boys like, "Hey, let's go. You go to the course. Never played before. You can't just show up and hey, you got a rental set. I mean, you're." No, that no, ain't no, even no. gonna come. Like, even if you had a perfect golf swing, you get a rental set. You're not gonna be able to hit it. It, it was an easy process. We went down to the PGA store, which I believe is what on Shea, one yeah, on okay. Shea, one right one in there. Cruise in the PGA store real quick, and uh, they had a big giant, you know, PGA tour, whatever you call those bags, the, the big ones. Bag. Thank yeah. you. Still learning my lingo. Yeah, yeah, you'll get it. Um, and they had a big Sun Devil bag, so I buy the bag and I buy some golf clubs, buy some balls, buy some tees, and we roll the DC Ranch. That's but it. Like, just right off the rack. That was it. Don't you need some that's, extra length on your clubs? I mean, you're six seven. Six, well, that's eight. probably why I shot 140. That's I'm going to blame it on the clubs. I've never What's, found good. What kind of handicap we rocking right now? Uh, I'm a high six. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's a little hot and cold at times, just like yesterday. Yesterday was very hot and cold. We we considered taking up a new hobby on the front nine. Yeah. And then we rallied on the back nine to uh, go home with, with some yeah, dignity. You're a golfer. But yeah. you're hooked. Love it. It's the it's the greatest sport on the planet. What that. is your like? W assuming good weather, like it normally is. What's your weekly routine? How many days? Well, shit. If you guys would invite me to play, it'd probably be <laughs> four or five. Uh, no, to be honest, a uh, perfect week would be play twice, maybe a third. Um, you know, I have two daughters, one four and one two. Uh, love to be you know at home on the weekends with them. So don't don't play really at all Saturday, Sunday, unless a buddy's in town. Um, Definitely have to get the Friday game in. Of course, um, love a midweek and and sometimes Monday, right? You 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 have young a young yeah daughter I got two yeah two now two now that's right. One so fresh. so you know you know if you're if you're at home all Saturday Sunday, and you're being the great dad and you're putting in the time. Come Monday, if you can go get that girlfriend, that just gets the week started, right? Just a little, you got to be the best you to be the best yes. for them. That's what I always say. I need a little me time if I'm going to be the best for That's them. It. You know? so, so I'm a big believer Jesus. in balance. So what I do is, you know, I, I love being the chef in the house. So get the kids breakfast, this, that, the other. Get them ready. My wife's great in the morning. Really gets Blake rolling. And then uh, we're in the truck by 8. I drop her off at school by about 8.20. I can be to the rock by about 8.45. And... Um, 
there's either a game mm-hmm. or we're hanging out in the men's grill or practicing or doing something. Yeah. You're up at the Rock. You still at Silverleaf? I'm not. No. No. Well, you were at Silverleaf. I was. Yes. So between those two places, there's obviously a lot of tour players that yes. practice and play. Who are some of the guys you've gotten a chance to play with? Yeah, uh, been really fortunate, uh, you know, and and I always try to make sure I pick the best guy to be on my team because I'm usually the Smart. worst handicap. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, obviously played some rounds with John Rahm, become great friends. Uh, Tony Finau, um, love playing with Perez anytime we can. Uh, he's just he's just the best. Um, love him. Um, got in with the Summer Hayes family, so I've played with all their kids. Obviously, they're not pros yet, God, but good. They'll yeah. make you feel bad real quick. The 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 young one, I think Cam. He, Cam, thank you, Cam. Um, shout out to Cam. He was probably how old is he now? Eleven. I'm guessing, yeah, 10, 11-ish. Okay, so I think he was 10 at the time, and I played him in a little match play deal that day, and uh, I believe he closed me out on 14. (laughs) No um, shame in that. He's a summer haze. But I I will say this. So usually when we we have these games, I do get John on my team. You know, I I, I need the extra extra help. But um, there was one time where I wanted a head-to-head bet with him. And so we're sitting on the, the first tee box, and he goes, what do you want to play for? And I'm like, well, you don't need money, and this on the other side. I go, let's, let's get creative with this. I go, if I beat you today, I get to carry your bag in the par three contest at Augusta. Oh, shit, that's a, that's that's a good a big bag. One. What'd you put up? And, and, he, and he chuckled, and he goes, listen, I'd love to do that, but Kelly would kill me. Yeah. Kelly, <laughs> Kelly's on the bag. So it, it didn't really go anywhere. We did our normal little NASA on, you know, him and Ben have the, have the big games. Yeah. So. Let me ask you this. I mean, John Rahm, number one player in the world. Yeah. When you started out at Denver, you were backing up Peyton Manning, arguably yep. best quarterback that's ever played. Can you see any similarities in how their brain works at all? I know it's two totally different sports, but obviously two guys that are the best at what they do. Any yep. similarities at all? Uh, perfectionists, um, grinders, um, always thinking how I can get better, um, never out of it. Um, I think two great examples. I remember my rookie year, we were playing San Diego Monday night football. Don't quote me. We were either down 21 or 24 at halftime. And, uh, you know, most people are out of it at that point. We ended up winning by, I think, 10 or 14, Mm -hmm. right? So there's that story for Peyton. As far as John goes, we're on number 14, the downhill with water at Silverleaf. The little dog leg left. Yeah. Yeah. 13. 13. We're on 13. We're partners this day. I make a four for three, so I have the hole with who we're playing against. John kind of pulled his ball left, which you know is not normal for him. Kind of hits that little little fade type fade, um, but pulled it left off the tee, and it's kind of over in that wash area, but no one can find it. And you know, everyone kind of shouts back like, "Hey, we're good. We have the hole." And he kind of gives us the no. I'm going to try to find this ball because when I do, I'm going to try to make my two to win the hole. Well, sure, shit, he ends up finding his ball. He's in the rocks, moves a th- few things around, and he put it to a couple feet. You know, he didn't make it. But I think those are that's uh, one quick example to just show, listen, they're perfectionists. They're always going to fight. They're always going to grind. And they're always thinking on how they can be better. Isn't it annoying how easy John Rahm makes the game look? It's wild. God, I don't understand I why it's so hard. I just hard. shorten my backswing. I'm like, yeah, dude, there's just too much shit going on. <laughs> yeah, shorten it and hit it 330. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm glad you mentioned perfectionists, though, because a lot of former athletes, I think quarterbacks in particular, they get into golf, become like perfectionists. Technique, yeah. they want all the info. Orton would come to mind, yeah. right? Um, yeah. uh, Romo, is a, he wants every piece of information possible. Are you like that now? Like when you get lessons, are you want to see everything, know everything? Or are you more like feel? I tried to be, and actually recently, roughly, I don't know, 
four or six weeks ago, um, I got to a point now where most every round is kind of that 77 to 82, 83. Okay. But I'm also a perfectionist and I want to get better and I want, I want to learn and haven't taken a ton of formal lessons. So, um, I go to the rock, take a bunch of lessons, line it up with, with coach Hank. Yes. Uh, yep. Yep. Twice a day for, I think we did three twice or four a two weeks. A day. You go oh, two a days oh. Hank? Oh. Twice a week. Twice I was like, a week. Damn, you work with Hank hard. You've done enough two a days. And you know, he, he was teaching me golf, but long story short, switching my grip, getting things in neutral, switching stance, switching this. And I can understand why, right? It's, it's, it's probably how the golf swing is supposed to work. Um, well, for me, that's not, that's not my game, right? Like I kind of have this strong grip. I open up my stance. I got a short back swing. I kind of hold on to it. And I found a way to kind of get around a golf course and be competitive and play to my handicap. Well, after taking these lessons, I have hosel rockets going at caddies to the right. I got duck hooks going in the water to the left. So long story short, I have learned I am a guy who does not need information. I don't need any of that. Just I got this funky little feel to the game Send and it. just go play with it. You're an just athlete. Go play with it. You're an athlete. Don't you know, overthink it. You know how to be an right? athlete. Does, does your love of golf carry over to watching it on TV? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Love it. Um, in fact, my... Like I said, my two daughters, four and two, the four-year-old soon to be five, and they already know. Um, when it's a fall weekend, they know, hey, daddy, football. Mm -hmm. You know, football's gonna be on the TV, and now it's golf. You know, it'll be like a Tuesday, Wednesday, and the two-year-old, little Quinn, will roll up, and she'll say, daddy, golf, because she's just expecting it to be yeah, on the TV. And I'll be like, no, sweetheart, it's Tuesday. Don't worry, it'll be on Thursday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Other than the guys you play with, like Rom and Zoni and those, yeah. guys, anyone you love watching, like this guy's on it, he's in the hunt, gotta watch him. Boy, you know, it's slowly grown. Um, as you dive into the sport, and, and so like I said, the first time I really swung a golf club was roughly 2013. Um, but I didn't really start watching golf until probably 2018-ish. Um, so I'm still learning the guys. But as you learn their personalities, there's certain guys that you just root for every weekend. Um, like uh, Joel Damon. Yes. Right? <laughs> Beautiful. Tough one to root against. How do you not love this guy? Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm dying to play around with him one day if it can, if it can ever match up. Uh, so you root for him, um, Higgs, right? With what he did at, at the Open, uh, WM Open uh, a couple weeks ago, that was outstanding. But then you learn about guys like Ches Reeve, right? And, and you've, you've read articles and you've had conversations with him and, and just how he treats, you know, like the young guys around the game and, and um, helping them out with tee boxes and where to stand and things like that. Um, so it's, it's slowly grown. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. And I, I just, going away from golf for a second, I just found this out a couple of days ago before we were doing this show. Yeah. Actually, when you were growing up in Montana, Southern Montana, mm -hmm. you committed to Gonzaga to play mm -hmm. basketball as a freshman out of high school. That's correct. That's yeah, I, I had no idea. You got to be Coach yeah. Few ain't handing out scholarships to dudes yeah. as freshmen. You had to be a monster yeah. in basketball. Co Coach Few, Leon Rice, now at Boise. You got Tommy Lloyd down at Arizona. You know, those were the guys. Um, so yeah, long story short, grew up in Kalispell, Montana, um, very small town, uh, and there's a big. I, I believe it's the world's largest three on three basketball tournament, and it's in um, Spokane, Washington, every summer. Um, last weekend in June, I believe. And uh, I was over there with some some pals I grew up with in Kalispell, and I believe we won the tournament. And and I caught the eye of a guy who was running an AAU program out of Spokane. 
So long story short, he talked to my parents and he's like, hey, would love to get Brock on the squad. So Spokane is about a three and a half hour drive from Kalispell. So we would drive over there on like Thursdays, Fridays. We had practice with the team, stay for the weekend playing tournaments. Well, that got me seen by a team out of Yakima, Washington, which is a little farther west. So just kind of kept moving west. Played with that team for a little bit. Um, and that got pretty wild because of the coach of that team had like a little six-seater you know, prop plane, and he would fly it into Kalispell, pick me up to take me to practice in the tournaments, put my parents on the plane, and we'd play. That's, that's and then they don't do that for scrubs. And then that developed into um, I got an invite to play with the Portland Legends, um, and that was kind of the the grassroots team that brought up Kevin Love, a few other guys, Avery Bradley, um, and it was sponsored by Nike, and and that was just wild, you know, getting you know, gigantic Nike boxes sent to the house when you're 12, 13, 14, it was a trip. So um, did that and it, uh, long story short, just um, parlayed into, you know, Coach Few, like I said, um, yeah, offered me a scholarship when I was 14. What, what NBA player would you say you your game most resembled, current day NBA? Mm. Well, I gotta be honest. I don't watch the NBA at all. Okay, were back you, when you played, you oh, no, no. I'll, I'll be honest. I was, I was the try-hard white guy. I'll, I'll just be honest. I, I, my every team needs one. I don't. You don't get try-hard white guy scholarships from Gonzaga no. at fourteen. So, so here's here's why I'm at. I, I just, I was always a extremely hard worker. You know, I learned that from my parents, and so I was kind of that like fundamental technician, right? And I was gonna play hard. I was gonna scrap. I was gonna run the court. You know, maybe get a little rough with someone underneath, you know, kind of whatever the team needed, but could score points, could rebound, could pass, could. could I feel like that's the most humble answer of all time from a guy <laughs> <laughs> that was getting looks from Gonzaga. Ashley's what NBA player he most represents. J.R. Smith. <laughs> most, I mean, just jack until you get hot and then dunk on someone's head. But mm -hmm. I mean, I love it. but more a layup than I a dunk or anything I like that. So that's on the table, and then yeah. you get into football. Clearly, when did you say yeah. I'm done with basketball? It's all it's going to be all football. Uh, so I became the starting quarterback for my high school as a sophomore. Um, going into my sophomore year, I was the starter for the varsity, and at the end of that year, um, my head coach got a phone call from the offensive coordinator at Florida State, and that was the first time that it really popped into my head that. I had a chance to play football. Mm. And I'll be honest, football was always my first love. Um, it's the sport that I grew up watching. My dad loved football, so it was always on on the weekends. My brother loved football. Um, but when you're from Little Kalispell, Montana, you know, it's it's hard to get recognized, right? And so AAU basketball was kind of providing that for me, um, where I didn't know where football was ever gonna go. And then when that uh, phone call came in, it was kind of like, whoa, like your your love, your passion, like this might be able to develop. And it's a rather big school that called you. Right. Yeah, no <laughs> yeah, doubt. It's not and, a bad one. And so that's that's kind of how it played out. And and that's that was the first time where I was like, hey, football might be a play, but I'm committed to Gonzaga. I'm going to go with this for now. You know, Gonzaga was kind of the deal back then. Th those were the Adam Morrison years, right? Mm -hmm. So they were really blowing up. They just got their new arena. It was three and a half hours from my hometown. And you got to remember, Montana doesn't have any pro sports. So when you have a Gonzaga three and a half hours away, I mean, that's that's the big show. Yeah. Right. And so um, there was just a, there was a sense of comfort there. Um, it was exciting. But uh, in the end, uh, football slowly started to pick up. I kind of did my own 
my own deal, right? There was no camps to go to, you know, my, my parents couldn't afford to fly me out to elite 11 camps and things like that, or hire quarterback coaches. So it was all just kind of a raw talent deal. I didn't really know what I was doing. I would just see what guys did on TV and try to replicate it. Um, and uh, long story short, I just mailed out a bunch of highlight tapes my sophomore, junior year to a bunch of schools, heard back from a few of them and, and ultimately chose football at the, at the last minute. When did you let Gonzaga know I'm not I'm not coming? Yeah, um, boy, this would have been spring of my junior year of high school. Okay, so spring junior year, um, finally decided I was going to go play at Arizona State. I was going to play for Dennis Erickson, um, and I remember I called Coach Few, and I was maybe ten seconds into the conversation, and he goes, "Brock, I already know why you're calling." I was like, "You do." And he goes, I sat next to Dennis Erickson on a flight. A <laughs> that had to be ago. awkward. <laughs> what are the odds? We got this kid coming in. No, and, we go, too. and he goes, you know what? I just had a feeling you were going to make a switch. He goes, I totally support you. I wish you the best. You know, thanks for letting me know. And and that's what it was. That's awesome. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Those two just happened to link. Yeah. I got a stud coming in. No, me too, bro. Yeah, how about that? What's his name? Brock. <laughs> oh, yeah. shit. Oh, shit. He was going to play basketball for me. <laughs> did you ever think about playing both at ASU or no? Or going anywhere and playing both? I did. I did. Uh, that's actually how Washington State recruited me was to play both. Um, but when I got here, so so I graduated high school early. Um, I left I left January of 2009, came to Arizona State early because there was a quarterback competition. And that was a big reason why I chose ASU over a few other schools. Um, That's the reason? Well, yeah. <laughs> you can be honest. What are some of the there, was other <laughs> there was a few. There was a few. We, we, uh, so anyways. What about I, your recruiting trip? Okay. We, can, we can get into the recruiting trip story too if we want. Um, and anyway, so I, I come down here. I come down here early. Shit, what was the question? What, 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 you got me all sidetracked thinking about this. There was no quarterback this. competition in Arizona State. No, there was so graduated competition. You, you left early. What yeah. the hell was the question? Oh, I uh, did I ever? <laughs> I, I want to know about the recruiting <laughs> trip. You got me all, I'm thinking he <laughs> got game track. right now. The question, the question was, uh, did I ever think about playing both? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah. There we go. Ba- right. Back to the subject. You're the professional. Back here. to the subject. So uh, come down. Long story short. You know, humbling experience, right? You're being recruited and everyone tells you how great you are, how awesome you are, blah, blah, blah. Well, you get to campus day one and you actually find out you're number seven on the depth chart and you're really not going to play anytime soon. So, um, but to make a long story short, I worked my way from number seven, January of 09 to the time the season came around, fall of 09, I was number two on the depth chart. Got to start one game, played in a couple, nothing really happened go into the my sophomore year and the guy who started my freshman year had, was gone he was a one year guy senior another quarterback competition well we had a transfer come in from Michigan Stephen Threat he was the starter there the previous year long story short we go through camp goes down to the last week Stephen wins the job well now you know I'm a 19 year old kid I'm upset my feelings are hurt you know this whole deal <laughs> we see it every day in the news now um so I'm like, well, I'm not going to sit here and back up Steven. I'm going to go play basketball. So I went and uh, talked to the basketball coach at the time, Herb Sendek, and I talked to Dennis Erickson. And Dennis goes, listen, I'm all for you playing basketball. Um, just make sure football remains your number one priority. But if you want to play basketball in the winter, go for it. So I would, do, I, I started in the fall, I'd go to football practice, I'd do that whole deal. And then when I was done with practice, I'd go to the gym for like an hour and kind of get back into basketball mode. Well, long story short, in our second to last game of that year, we're in the first quarter, we're playing UCLA, senior day. 
And Steven kind of rolls out to his right, breaks out of the pocket, pulls up with the ball rather than throwing it to someone, throwing it away, or running downfield, which is the ultimate cardinal sin as a quarterback. Never pull up outside the pocket. And he just gets leveled by a defensive tackle in the back of the head. Well, he's knocked out. He has a concussion. So I go into the game. We're down 14. It's the start of the second quarter. I end up throwing four touchdowns and running for one, and we wax UCLA. So the next week we go to U of A, we beat U of A in triple overtime, mm -hmm. and the rest is history. Coach Erickson pulls me in the next day and he goes, listen, you're not playing basketball this year, you're my starter. And uh, that's when basketball died. That's a good way for it to die. That's yeah, when, it when died. you become the man at ASU. Serious question, because Colt and I have had this conversation. All right, how does ASU not win everything? If you get a kid mm. to take a visit here and they step off the plane, what, uh, what do you Unless mean? you're what do you, flying them here in July. What do you want? Like, who's coming here and be like, this is not really for me. All this sun and the babes for days everywhere. I hate this place. I'm dying to know, know it. They I, got him. I'm, so, I'm, I'm, you I'm, should be AD, dude. Yeah. Take, there's no reason. They, there's not any reason they shouldn't be winning lots of shit. I agree. Um, I'm tired of hearing the, the sleeping giant conversation, right? We all hear it around town. Um, you guys tell me. I'm, I'm curious. Everyone's because I haven't figured it out. You know, the only thing that I can maybe say you know, because we have a lot of local talent here in Scottsdale and, lot, and in the surrounding dude. valleys that, you know, they go to the Ohio State, they go to Oklahoma, they go to SC, they go to, Al or I shouldn't say Alabama, but Georgia, A&M, we've missed on a few. Only thing I can think of is we lack tradition here, you know, and not only that, it's, it's our stadium. I'll be honest. It, and it's progressively gotten worse since I've yeah, left school. You know, I went to every home game this year. And I think maybe one of them was sold out. Mm -hmm. And so when you go on a recruit trip as a football player to, let's just say, A&M, and there's 105,000, yeah. and, and they have cheer practice the night before the game with 70,000, you know, that kind of wins you over. Yeah, that needs to change. Because, I mean, if you look at the Pac-12, like the fact that Arizona State is not a dominant football school. Or at least contending. Like, I get USC should be really good. They're, They're about to be suck. really good again. But first off, really you want to live in L.A. and that traffic and all that no. nonsense you have to deal with out there in mm -hmm. California. You come here, it's nice, it's peaceful, there's no that traffic. That stadium's no good. And I know you don't like the traffic. I heard it all week on TV. <laughs> I can't stand it. There's a stoplight every fan, seven feet. Big fan of it. I know. It's, um, they need, like, a young guy, a cool dude, like a Lane Kiffin type. Someone come in yep. here, have an identity, sling it around, something just to get people excited about ASU, and it would take off. Something. Shit, honestly, give tickets away for free. Yeah, just get them in there. until we sell out the stadium again, and that that's just that's such a big recruiting piece. You know, there was a receiver I talked to last year, and he came on a recruit trip here, and you know the stadium was probably half full. And I asked him, I said, "Hey, where are you going next week?" He said, "Oklahoma." And yeah, I was like, good luck. Yeah, there's no chance. We're not yeah. getting them. Spencer Rattler. I mean, all these dudes that come out of this town and not one ends up not down one. there. It's crazy. It's true. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you get a stud recruit, you got to do something to get that stadium packed in. I mean, For you know real. he's coming. For real. So let's just make sure this thing's sold out. Yeah. You go to OU, you're a starting court, you're a god. You know what I mean? Not that you're not at ASU, but it's like football's everything. Well, and there's no tradition, right? Like, say, you know, you get a little bit older, you have kids, you want to take your wife and kids back to your alma mater, show them around, show them what Saturdays are like. Well, Saturdays change every other year at ASU. You don't know what song they're about to play. You don't know what the stadium entrance is going to be. So there's a little bit of a, a lack of tradition there. And, and it's just we're, we're losing on recruits and, and building that national title contender everyone talks hey, about. Greg Trius, I know you donate a lot of money. Fix this thing. There are worse places <laughs> to on. be the starting quarterback yes. and the man on campus. But Let's transfer so out. to the pros. You get drafted second overall. I'm always fascinated, or second second round. I'm always fascinated about draft night. 
Yeah. What was it like for you? Were you there? Were you? Do you have a house party? What was? What was the deal? Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was actually just a trip, just getting to draft night. Um, so I was a, I was only a one year starter at ASU. Started my true junior year and um, had a good year. Broke a lot of the passing records, um, but wasn't even thinking about going pro. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were at the Vegas Bowl, um, which don't don't send Arizona State. Um, to, to the Vegas Bowl. That's, yeah. that's not ideal. Uh, and uh, um, yeah, that didn't work out well. So anyways, uh, but I'll never forget, I was getting ready to go into a meeting and uh, my offense coordinator, Noel Mazzoni, and head coach Dennis Erickson pulled me aside and they told me about all the NFL scouts that were coming to the game to see me. And just to be honest, I was, you know, I was kind of blown away. I was surprised. I didn't even know that was a conversation, um, especially after being a one-year starter. Um, and that was the first time I, I kind of thought we'd be going down that road. Long story short, the whole staff got fired. I waited to see who was coming in to be the next head coach. When I found it was Todd Graham, um, did some research. Anyways, decided to leave school. So fast forward, we get to draft night. And it was a really unique situation because, like I said, I hadn't had great technique and fundamental quarterback guru coaching, if you will. So I was still this very raw product. Um, And my agent um, was basically, listen, you could be a first rounder and you could probably fall to the fourth, fifth, maybe even. Um, So we didn't really know what was going to happen. So when he called me the week prior and he goes, hey, the NFL's invited you to go back to New York and be a part of that deal. Do you want to go? And he goes, if you don't go, ESPN wants to send cameras to wherever you're at. And so that's when I was kind of like, damn, maybe I will be a first round pick, you know? And as a kid, that's your dream, right? You want to go to New York and walk onto that stage and do that whole deal. But because I didn't know if I was going to be a first round pick, I didn't want to be the guy that's sitting there yeah, waiting. The Brady Quinn or whatever. You know, like, they keep Smith. showing it to him. Like, when's he going to get scooped? You know, Aaron Rodgers even had to wait a long time. There you go. So I was like, you know, I don't want to be that guy. So true to my form and still this guy today, open door policy, love to have fun, invite one, invite all. Uh, rented a badass house over in McCormick Ranch. Um, had a sweet guest house. It had this cool tiki bar that the owner went down to Mexico, his favorite tiki bar, he sent an architect there. And he said, hey, I need this in my backyard, figure out how to do that. So long story short, rented the house um, for the weekend and just threw a big party, all my college friends, high school friends, family, um, you name it. And um, that's where I was on draft night. What was the call like? Oh, it was wild. Um, I was sitting back in the very back of the property, sitting in a circle, still never forget, with a bunch of college pals and um, just kind of holding on to your phone, right? Because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. And um, next thing I know, a 303 number popped up. And I remember I was, I was pretty, you know, anxiety is rolling. All right, we're getting in the second round. You know, fuck, you know, where am I going to go? Cameras are hanging out. Yeah, you know, so ass. the anxiety is high. Nerves are high. <laughs> next thing you know, 303 popped up. And I was like, holy shit, it's Denver. And uh, I'll never forget, I picked up. Um, Elway was on the other other side of the phone and, and asked if I wanted to be a Bronco. And hey, Brock. that's kind of how she went. That's awesome. I still wish, hey, Brock. Just, especially yeah. for the first round. Okay, I don't want them to let you know. I want you to see it on TV or if you're there. Like, I want them to go up there and say with the seventh overall pick, 
the New York Jets select, boom, and it's a surprise to you just to see an actual reaction. Like, how cool would that be on TV? Yeah, that'd be great. And, and Unless you get picked and you go, fuck! Yeah, right. <laughs> Cleveland, fuck! <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going back to college. <laughs> and, and that was my, that, that's actually my one regret of draft night is, is allowing ESPN to come in because the, the, 30 seconds that they panned to me and my family and stuff. It was all staged. Yeah. It was already, it had already happened. You know, the fireworks had popped. Um, so that was a little bummer, but hey, you live and you learn. Um, but it was, it was obviously a special night. Did you have, did you have any idea it was going to be Denver? Did you have like, if, if I am going to go early, if I am going to go round two, like this is the pick right here. Denver loves me. I had no idea. Um, to the point as well as my parents had no idea. No one knew. I guess supposedly my agent talking to him years later, he had some good conversations the night before with Matt Russell, who was kind of the number two in charge up there in Elway. He had a good feeling because they traded up. Um, what they were going to do, but he didn't want to be wrong and tell any of us. So when you ask my parents, I think they went out and bought like 16 different teams hats because they had <laughs> no idea where I was going. Yeah. So really, really no clue. That's incredible. So you get, you get to Denver going through training camp and everything. What's the first thing you notice? Like biggest difference between NFL football, college football speed. Yeah. Speed. I'll never forget it. Rookie mini camp. You know, you go in there for your first play. You know, you run the play, and I remember going back to the huddle, and I was like, "Shit, was that in fast forward? <laughs> what just like, happened? Like, what was that? You know, like it was just this like blur, right? And so, um, it's it's really sp the speed, and you hear a lot of people say it. It's definitely true. Um, it's the speed, and then a big jump for me. Um, and if I ever had a son, which I won't be having a son, uh, but if I did, I would push him if he was a quarterback to a pro style system in college. Mm -hmm. Because um, my deal coming from a system where we never huddled um, was really difficult to pop into rookie minicamp. And all of a sudden you're expected to hear 14 words in your helmet and then step into a huddle and call those 14 words and then go to the line of scrimmage. You know, I came from a system where you just look to the sideline, everything was signaled yeah. in. So honestly, just calling the play how was, many, was that, a challenge. How many voices? In your head, just, one, just one, one voice, but a shitload yep. of whoever's words, calling the right? play. Yep. yep, it's like learning Question. a new language, more or less, right? Isn't it like it's Chinese? Well, it's, I've heard the play. I'm like, give me a play example, and they'll rattle it off. I'm like, what is like, Chinese? If you go somewhere else, it's got to be totally different. It's Chinese. Question: Does the communication stop as soon as you break the huddle, or can you hear them you during know. the play? It it stops when the play clock gets to 15 seconds. It's cut off. That's yeah. Like, so that's a lot a, of that's a rule. Yeah. Okay. So, so and and it and it makes this loud beep. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, you know, you're at the line. He's trying to talk to you. Hey, you know, they're rolling to this, and then all of a sudden you get this loud beep in your ear. And I never of, knew that. Yeah. It's it's a trip. That's why teams like complain like our shit's not working. We can't hear mm -hmm. the play. You know, sometimes that happens. But, and they got to shut off the other teams. But on the flip side, also, if a play comes in where you're like kind of like fuck this play you can yeah. always like you i know, couldn't hear yeah you just point to the helmet you just <laughs> annexation like, of puerto rico yeah, like hey coach I, I don't know it's not working it's not and then you get to the sideline and of course the equipment guys getting you know mm, uh, you know reamed, reamed by line. the head coach yeah. and coordinator like hey get this guy a helmet that works and then you just kind of look at the equipment guy and you give him that wink and he's like oh, okay i got yeah, it we yeah. fixed it i'm gonna tinker with your helmet for a second but everything's fine yeah. we yeah, fixed yeah, it yeah, yeah. when we, when you get scooped by denver and like you're excited you're ecstatic you're going to yep. a league you're going to a great organization and you're also going into a place where they got paid manning he's just coming in mm -hmm. and here he is arguably the best quarterback in the league one of the best of all time as a rookie i gotta think part of you is like this is sick i'm gonna learn behind one of the best to ever do it but also like 
damn, this dude is going to be the dude until he decides he yes. doesn't want to be the dude anymore. Yes. Like, it's kind of like bittersweet, I guess. Yeah, that's exactly how it goes. Uh, I remember draft night. Um, I got a text message from a number I didn't recognize. Um, and at the end of it, it you know, said Peyton Manning. And you're like, whoa, like, cool. okay, this is, hey, this, is, this is where we're going, you know? Um, so I'll never forget it, though. So draft night, you know, get drafted. Uh, you know, it's, it's the ultimate high. So, you know, you party like you would, you would expect any ASU grad to do it. And um, I had to be on a 6 a.m. flight to Denver the next day for my press conference. And <laughs> yeah, um, get, getting to that plane was tough. We got to the plane. We, we obviously crashed before we even started moving. And I'll never forget it. I didn't wake up until we landed. And I opened up the window. And you guys have flown into Denver. It kind of looks like you're flying into the middle of the nowhere. Moon. And I pulled up the, the window shade. And I look out and I see nothing but prairie. And I'm like... Oh shit! I got on the wrong plane. I'm in Kansas. <laughs> yeah, where's the mountains, yeah. right? So long story short, we're right plane. We we get we get to the facility. We get picked up, and I remember I walked into the facility, and you know, little little shaky, but we're suit and tie. We're ready to rock. Like you know, we're we're first ballot Hall of Famer. We can we can do this. We can you know pull a night together. And I walk around a corner, and here comes Peyton. You know, and I don't know what he was doing in there that day, if he was doing some PT or what he was doing, but here he comes. And the last time I had seen Peyton in person was at the, I believe it was 2005 Pro Bowl in Hawaii. I was a little fan in the stands. I bought his jersey, the whole deal. So that was the last time I had like seen him. And obviously he didn't know who I was or anything like that or that I was even there. Come around the corner, there he is, and I'll never forget it. And he just kind of stuck out his hand and he goes, Hi, my name's Peyton Manning. And no shit. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what was it? What'd no, you say? Yeah. No shit. Uh, I'm Brock. Nice to meet you. And and you know, I guess the reality of it didn't set in right away because you're on such a high that, hey, you're probably not gonna play for a minute, right? Yeah. Um but yeah, as soon as you got into you know rookie mini camp and then OTAs and training camp, it was tough. I mean, because you, you know, as, until I earned my stripes with Peyton, you know, I was I was kind of put in the corner. In fact, there was a lot of times I wasn't even allowed to sit in certain quarterback meetings. Um, they would hand me a playbook and say, "Go sit in the hallway." Um, so I <laughs> really I really had to earn my stripes. But once I did. Like I said, it was tough to not play, but we created this great working relationship and, and I helped him a lot with a lot of, you know, weekly studies and things like that throughout the week to kind of to kind of buy my time. But it was hard um, and shit. I mean, ask my wife, ask my agent. You know, there was a lot of nights come year three um, where, you know, it was tough. Hey, get me out of here. I'm ready to play. You know, the shit's tough, you know, because no one respects you until you play. Right. Great. Hey, you're working hard in practice. Great. You work hard in the weight room. Great. You get here early. Great. Great. But like until you play, um, you can't ultimately earn people's respect. Well, in 2015, you earned a lot of respect. I yeah. talked to John Elway this morning and he t said, quote, you were the unsung hero of the 2015 season. Cool. Said there was no way y'all would have won the Super Bowl without you. That's cool. When Peyton got hurt, you went it. You played seven, started seven games, correct? I think one, so. And won five of them. Five and deuce. Yeah. yeah. But what's that like knowing that should have been seven and oh, damn yeah. it. But you know, Peyton goes down. Yeah. And you're like, okay, here it is. Here's yep. my chance. Yep. And you gotta go out and prove it. And you did it. I mean, what were what was the nerves like heading into that first game, knowing you gotta fill Peyton Manning's shoes? Yeah, it was yeah. wild. Uh so we're playing the Chiefs. I think it was Sunday night football. Um, 
and Peyton, it was it was honestly it was it was just tough to watch because obviously you have love for him, you have respect for him, you have a friendship now at this point. We're in year four together. We've been through a lot. We've done a lot um, on and off the field um, and built this great relationship. And he goes out in the first half, and and I can't remember he either threw four or five interceptions in the first half. It was really hard to watch. I think it was like a zero quarterback rating. Um, and we come out in the third quarter, I believe, and and maybe Coach Coobs gave him one more series or something like that. Didn't go well. And I'll never forget, I was sitting on the bench, and um, it was a cold night. So, you know, you love those benches. They have a little heat rolling through them. And Coach Coobs came up to me, and it wasn't. It was just a quick half a second pass by, and he goes, Brock, you're in. Next series. And he just walked away. And I was kind of like, nah, no, I'm not. <laughs> Why? Like, <laughs> yeah. no, nah, Peyton's still here. Peyton's playing. And uh, a couple seconds later, my quarterback coach, Greg Knapp, came and sat down next to me and he goes, hey, are you ready to go? And I'm like, oh, so I'm really going in. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Peyton, Peyton's, Peyton's down. His foot's, you know, hurting him and having a tough night. And, and at this point, the game was already out of hand, which, you know, you love to play. You love the opportunity. But it'd be like, you know, someone telling you, hey, sure, you get your first PGA Tour start, but you're going to start, you know, 20 strokes behind the mm -hmm. field. And you're kind of like, well, great. What the fuck do I do with that? Yeah. You know, but hey, you take it, you're grateful for it and you roll. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I grab a ball, I warm up, go in there, don't do anything great, end up throwing a touchdown late, um, going to the next week, but still didn't know what was going to happen. So I go home Sunday night, fine, Monday, probably, I probably was told, I would assume on maybe like Tuesday that I was going to start that week. Um, it was pretty wild because that Sunday was my 25th birthday and we were going to play in Chicago and found out I was going to be the starter. And, and obviously this is something I'd been waiting three and a half years for. Mm -hmm. um, but you also know as an NFL quarterback, you get, you know, three, four, five chances to show your worth. Otherwise, your opportunity is done, you know, unless you're really a first round pick. And so. It was all about just making the most of the opportunity. Um, but one thing I can honestly say that I did for three and a half years leading into that, and this is why it got so hard to not play. You know, guys are like, oh, you have the best job ever. You just back up Peyton, you have fun, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, like I get to the facility at 5.30 every morning. I study my ass off, I work my ass off. Like, because I know when that opportunity comes, the window is so small, mm -hmm. right? To take advantage of it. So long story short, um, uh, I remember we, we fly into Chicago and, uh, you know, right before the, the last thing you do on a Saturday night is you have a, you have a big team meeting and the coach, you know, usually plays like a highlight tape, pump up tape, something like that. Says some speeches. Well, right before we rolled in and it's, it's one of the biggest honors you can really have in professional football is to speak in front of your team. Um, it doesn't happen often. Coaches don't take it lightly. Um, and I remember right before we walked into that ballroom in the hotel, Coach Coops came up to me and he goes, hey, I want you to talk to the team tonight. And I'm like, fuck, you couldn't have told me I'm before we got on the plane or something? Like, Jot like something on a napkin real quick? Something, yeah. right? So I'm like scrambling in my head. I'm like, fuck, what am I going to say to these guys? I've wanted to do this for three and a half years. Like this, this organization, this team means so much to me. And I thought back to a story. We got waxed by the Seahawks in preseason in 2013. And John Elway came into the team meeting room. It was the only time he had ever done this when I was there. And he spoke to the team the next day. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go with this John story. That, that's what I'm going to do. Because I'll be honest, I wasn't nervous. I was ready. I was excited. I just wanted to get out there and play. I was prepared. I knew I was ready. But you still don't know what's going to happen. 
I just wanted my teammates to know, hey, don't worry about me tomorrow. You guys just handle your deal. I'm going to be fine. So I get up there in front of the team and I'm, I was telling the story. And basically the story goes as this. Um, John, he said, listen, there, there's a deal with being a Denver Bronco. And, and the mindset is, and obviously they've gotten away from that the last few years. But he goes, the mindset is this. It's not if we're going to win. It's how fucking bad we're going to beat our opponent today. And that's what I said to my teammates and everyone jumped up. Someone like threw a fucking chair and like the place just got rowdy. Yes. And that's when I knew I was like, okay, let's, let's go. Good. It's going to be all good. good. Yeah. So we went out there. It was, it was cool. It was in Chicago. My parents went, wife went, um, brother was there. It was a cold day, single digit day, um, in November. Um, just the way you want it, especially being a kid from Montana. Yeah. Cold, you know, the whole deal. Um, definitely first series helped out. Um, Demarius Thomas, um, RIP, love that guy. Um, I threw him a ball and he took it about 60 yards for me. Helped, helped settle some nerves. I love you. Yeah, it was awesome. It was good. That's great. When you go on, y'all win the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. I mean, That's how cool is it? No matter what, yeah. I mean, you're, you're a Super Bowl champion. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, that's what they say. And did you know at yeah. the time, Not there's a lot of perks, I'm sure, with winning a Super Bowl, but yeah. did you know at the time maybe the best non-obvious perk was that Years later, you would actually join a country club where the opposing quarterback was on the other sideline, and you get to hold that over his head forever, Derek Anderson. Yeah. Have you guys had a chance to – he has some big conspiracy theories about that game, by the way. Does of course he, really? he does. You should sit with him God. at some point and let him run you through no, it. No, y'all need to sit together in here, and we're going to film should, it. Dude, he has this whole – like. <laughs> What's he saying? Peyton was always – the NFL had it rigged. Peyton was going to win. The cornerbacks were doing this. There's no way they get away with this with anyone but Peyton. Oh, we could, we couldn't have given Carolina more opportunities to win that that game it's da god bless him he's one of my best friends i love him to death oh, <laughs> he, got some, he came back i was like but the, yeah. i mean von yeah. miller did some thing you know what he i mean did. like they weren't he reps did. weren't shoving him across the line of scrimmage. tell da to relax <laughs> you know it was you it, guys need to have that combo we should we actually we should do that on here it was incredible but now yeah. yeah it was it was a fun run obviously it was super special you know excuse me you just try to try to make the most in the moment live in the moment but you know it was also my first time starting right so it was like great get this win in chicago defense played great we did enough on offense i think i threw two touchdowns um but then the next week we have sunday night football against the patriots who are the defending world champs and they're 12 and 0 undefeated yeah you know so it was like it was just all about business for me and just making the most of the moment um but yeah it was it was a special run and a year i'll always look back on well you definitely did make the most of the moment because yeah. it led to a rather nice deal in houston yeah how much did life change, though, going from being Peyton Manning's backup to now the starting quarterback in the NFL? Obviously, the contract is very, very nice, but there's got to be a little more pressure. You're the face now. You know, i got to be honest. For, for, from my perspective, nothing changed. But that contract and, and you know, whatever, that's, that's how sports work. That contract just created so many narratives, mm -hmm. um, which was unfortunate because, you know, as people get to know me, I'm this laid-back kind of hippie-ish, uh, like I said, open door policy, come one, come all. Yeah, just this hardworking guy from Montana. And I really, you know, the the media twisted everything to make me this villain, if you will. Um, and so that, that was really tough. Um, I had nothing but love for Denver. Um, should we should get John and I on at the same time where we can talk about that. You know, I, I wanted nothing more than to, to come back to Denver. Um, unfortunately it didn't work out, um, had no intentions of leaving, never wanted to leave. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, as you guys know, pro sports don't last forever. And, 
you know, you got to take care of your family and, and things like that. So um, it was tough. It was tough to leave. But from my end, nothing changed. I, shit, I was, I was still the same old guy. Right. Nothing changed. Still did offense line dinners Thursday night. Go and rip it up. Have fun. Um, yeah, it was all good. Quarterback pay for offensive Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Do you ever buy your O-line a gift? Does every quarterback do that? Or yeah. Some of them? You know, I think everyone's different. Um, I did. Yeah. So every Thursday, uh, we would pick a different steakhouse in Houston and um, would take the guys there. And, and I wouldn't just invite offense linemen. I'd invite the entire offense. So whoever wanted to come, um, pick a different steakhouse, grab the private room. And so we can get a TV so we could watch the Thursday night game. Mm-hmm. Um, Order it up, have fun, bring dessert home for the wife, whatever you need. Um, so we'd do that on Thursdays. That was a blast, good camaraderie. Um, and then for Christmas that year, I think um, I uh, flew in a guy. Um, I think his name's like Mike the Boot Guy or something. But anyways, got everyone custom cowboy boots. Um, flew in someone else, got them custom suits, got them some wallets. Um, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer. You know, TV doesn't do it justice. With, with these with these offense alignment defense alignment what they do on Sundays in those trenches yeah. it's it's wild man um and and they they deserve everything so I'm I'm all about taking care of those that's big awesome fellas. I love that that's yeah. a good QB that's my yeah. quarterback yeah, yeah. That's, that's my it. quarterback that's right it. should we get to the e9 yeah last one do you got any any ambitions to get back in the game of oh, football actually. in any capacity Golly, coaching yeah I do I do I, coach, and I and I've explored them all but it's it's tough for me because I'm a big, like I said earlier, I'm a big believer in balance, and and I really want to be there for my girls, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I want to be there for my wife, and and I want to have fun with my family. And if you coach, unfortunately, yeah. you're just, I mean, those guys sleep in their office a lot of nights. Um, they don't go home. They don't have off seasons. So I've explored it. Um, it was very difficult. I've turned down some great offers to coach. But I just don't see how you do that. And you also have a life with your family and you also have a little bit of fun, hence golf, things like that. I don't I don't know how that works. I've explored it, turned it down. Um, I've explored some front office work. Same deal, though. You know, when you start out, especially as like a scout, you know, you're on the road five days a week. I don't know how that works with a young family. Um, We've explored all that. Um, What about TV? You got a great voice. We're thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I have to be honest. I don't love to talk, um, so I'm a slightly hesitant on that, but I will say this. My first year not playing, Fox brought me in. Um, they flew me out to LA. They wanted me to do an audition in the studio. Uh, day before, of course, set up uh, Roundup Bel Air. And I thought it was a good omen because the locker I got was Jim Nance. Mm. Oh, nice So I was like, hey, this this might mean something. Yeah. So uh, even though I had nothing to put in a locker, they, that was the day locker they Stay gave Jim me. stuff. Yeah. Um, so I go and I do I do the audition. And I will say this. You you watch a game and you're like, yeah, I know football. This is going to be easy. It's not. To, to talk about it. Like, I have so much respect for those, the, the great announcers and color guys and um, – they do an outstanding job. So anyways, I do my audition. Um, long story short, Fox gets back to me. They want me to broadcast basically like Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12 football games. Um, we were getting ready to have our second child that November. And um, with the due date and everything, there was a chance that I'd be broadcasting some you know mid-level Big 12 game and miss the birth of Quinn. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to risk that. I don't have to do it. I don't need to do it right now. Um, I'm going to pass. So I passed on that. Um, 
I've explored a lot of different things since then, and now we are headed back out to LA um, either next month or in April to do another audition. And, yeah. and I think now now it's time to to do something in the fall. I think you'd be good at it. So you're saying you. you're not, your name's not in the ring for ASU football coach. We, we could solve this problem that we talked about earlier. Listen, real quick, listen if real ASU quick. wants to hire me out the gates as the OC, I'm there. But I'm not. I'm not going to start as a graduate assistant and making the playbooks at midnight and and doing that whole deal. <laughs> no, I think you've earned the right. Just start right there. Thank you. Okay. Thank Perfect. you. Perfect. All right, like we'll it. go to E9. Let's get to the E9. All right, we ask this to everyone. You can trade lives with anyone, dead or alive, for a day. Mm-hmm. Who are you going to be? Just one day. Yeah. Fun question. A uh, lot of different ways to go with this. Um, honestly, um, I love my life. I feel like I've had a ton of awesome experiences. Um, the one thing that I think would just be second to none, I want to be one of the golfers in the final group Sunday at the Masters. It's a good one. I think I think pulling that club. You'd back, shit yourself, but it'd be cool <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, but uh, I think I think that would be uh, that would be special. That's a true golfer. Mm-hmm. That's a true like guy. That. Right cool. there. I thought you were gonna say Peyton Manning. I can shove myself out of the quarterback room. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I have too many. Hey, Peyton, kid, I have too the... many Peyton stories. That uh, no, no, no. I, I, I don't want that. Well, one. I'll give you a Peyton one right here. Do you think you'll ever forgive Peyton for the fact the clip that goes around the NFL Network where you're grabbing your helmet to go in the game, you go get it, you're coming back in, in and Peyton straps his on, runs out in front you and you're sitting there holding your shit like are you joking me you know what it wasn't even surprising that was my <laughs> every day for three years <laughs> come on uh, girl. so so that that was an easy one to just be like oh yep got it again oh it's cool. you yep. you want another series yeah you go ahead and you know it's he just wanted another touchdown just i think we were already up by 45 i mean at that point. just keep stacking them up. can yeah. you f- give me a little bit of love and get me some spin exactly, out there exactly nope. dude no, all no, the no, help you provide no, no. i mean can i can the kid get one so of course the meme looks worse to me it was just like yep this is a n- normal day whatever yeah. he shits on me and we're good <laughs> yeah. perfect oh, you you again Okay. Yeah, I'll just go back here. You yeah. handle it. You need some Gatorade. Yeah, get, gotcha. enough, get your seven hundred yeah. touchdown. Yeah. yeah, gotcha. I'm stealing this one from the Manning cast because there was never an answer given. Okay, okay? but Eli asked Ray Lewis. He goes, Ray, would you rather have ten thousand cash or one of Peyton's helmets full of quarters? Whoa, which one's more valuable? Which one's so? I need more. an answer from you. Well, listen, that's a You've big seen helmet. That <laughs> that's, that's a big, a big helmet. helmet. Uh, can Can I tell a quick story about that? Yeah, uh, yeah. So. Uh, it was 2014 and John Fox, who I love is our head coach. And so he brings in a guy, um, at Christmas time to do PSA announcements right out to the public and, and doing good things. Well, little do we know as players, it's all BS and it's to get this like little, little reel to play in the team meeting room and clown on some guys. So there's a guy in there and I, and I got picked to do one of the PSAs. And, um, of course he told me the camera's off. He's like, Hey, you know, someone had to run outside the room real quick. So you just think you're hanging out, you're drinking a bottle of water, you're shooting the shit. And the guy goes, Hey, Hey, we got a second. He goes, he goes, you got to tell me, he's like, what's up with Peyton's forehead? And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, I know you're telling me it's so big. And then it gets red during the games. And I don't understand. (laughs) Well, the camera's rolling the whole time. Oh no, that's cool. So the next day in the team meeting, at 8, at 8 a.m., Coach Fox starts with, he goes, hey, you know that little PSA deal you guys did yesterday? He goes, I got a little something about that. And it rolls on the big screen, and oh, I just want to your chair. hide. <laughs> Peyton didn't talk to me for a couple of days. Oh, that's wow. good. Yeah, what is up with that thing? It looks like yeah. an IMAX screen. <laughs> that's incredible. 
Oh god. Alright. Who asked that? You did? Alright, here you go. You're you're a fashionable dude. I see you around. You're always buttoned up. You're always looking good. Look at you. You got the jumper on, the, the hoodie. Alright, so you got it. You're gonna inherit the wardrobe of one of these players, but that's all you get their clothes for the rest of your life. Who okay. do you want? Who are you gonna pull off better? Cam Newton or Von Miller? Oh man. Vaughn, just because more often than not, he usually has a cowboy hat associated with what he's doing. And that kind of takes me back to my Montana roots. The shit that Cam does, it's that's probably for one guy and one guy only, right? I don't know how many can get away with that. Yeah, can't do that. It's like yeah, it, you put a kid in a costume store can't and just said, pick out whatever you want. Can't do that. That's yep. it. That's it. Yeah. All right. We try to make you think here a little bit, but I think it's no secret. Everybody here likes pizza. We all like pizza. Oh, yeah. Do you prefer your pizza delivery or takeout? Uh, takeout from LGO. LGO has that sourdough crust. It's killer. You don't get takeout in Old Town? What about like Joe's New York style right down there on? Knew we shouldn't have gone that right. <laughs> hey, but did I drop the pizza? You didn't. You held onto the pizza. It was very, Always very... protect the points. So uh, that was wild. <laughs> yeah. Because, all right, that whole night happens. Okay, let's, we're, we're, we're in the circle of trust, right? Yeah, it's the trust tree. So the next morning, my wife goes, she goes, what did you think of that pizza last night? I'm like, we got pizza? Oh, boy. So that was that. So now we're at Whole Foods a couple hours later, and my cell phone rings. And it's this girl I went to high school with. I'm like, this is weird. I haven't talked to her in years. Like, how does she even have my number? Okay. Like, what's the deal? So I pick it up, and she goes, hey, long time no talk. Hope you're well. Just want you to know I work for TMZ now, and we got this video from last night, and we're about to air it in a couple hours. So long story short, got her and some other people connected to my agent, because we had to get in front of it, because that was the year I was going into free agency. Yeah. So we, we talked to all the ball clubs. Um, it worked out. Fortunately, nothing, nothing worse happened. Stick to delivery. Stick to you delivery. couldn't bribe the chick and be like, look, I'm going to need hey, this to go away. Lesson learned. We're friends. Yeah. This is the old Montana roots sure. here. Well, by the you way, we, we might have tried a few things and then we learned, you know, the laws of a few things. Yeah. yeah, you know, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. Harvey Levin or whatever all, said no, he got involved. All the stuff. So yeah. we, 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 we definitely tried. But um, fortunately, it worked out. Didn't hurt me. Um, but yeah, joke about pizza. Go home, <laughs> go home before midnight, right? Yeah. Go home before that midnight. Joe's pizza in Old Town, dude. There's nothing that Quinny got knocked out there. there. It's, I mean, it's, it's bad just, stuff happens and, and to Joe's. It's a stampede of the drunkest people in town <laughs> all going to the one place that's Same open time. to serve pizza. Yeah, W had a concert that night, oh, so of course you're on the rooftop. You just won the Super Bowl. You're spraying champagne everywhere. You know, you're just you're having a night. And then you want some pizza. Just and he wanted pizza. Fellow gets hungry. Can a guy not have a little pizza? <laughs> Get it delivered though, right? Get it delivered. And that's actually what all the teams said to me they're like brock just start getting your shit yeah. delivered Postmates, told you dog. we do our research Postmates. here. Yeah, do. Do. i'm gonna give you a real football question here okay you got a two-point conversion for all the marbles mm -hmm. your life is on the line you got to throw the ball to one former teammate tough ball contested catch you're putting your life in somebody's hand what wide out you want catching it i'm assuming because we're throwing the ball it's man-to-man -man coverage right of course we're, not, we're not dealing with zone yeah we'll go man man-to-man -man coverage jalen ramsey is the corner um it's tough oh my your life dude my life is on the line uh i'm gonna oh god there's so many great receivers i played with and and so many guys i have so much love and respect for i'm taking uh wes welker in the slot mm. and i'm gonna give him a two-way go where he can break out or he can break in whoever's guarding him is about to get their ankles broken love that in my opinion the best no, you wouldn't say the Stokely. best slot guy i've ever seen was welcome <laughs> yeah. not yeah i knew it wouldn't be stoked yeah no question <laughs> yeah all right well there's this really good movie called where the millers 
don't know if you, you love you've, it. You've seen it at all, but did let's the tattoo? Take the RV, let's go. Did the Ooh. tattoo scene hit home for you at all? Oh, come on! Damn, he's a, relentless here. right uh, now, Brock. Uh, Damn. Yes. Get him. Get his ass. You know. Uh, yeah, boy, we goofed on that one. Um, is it still that way? I've tried. Tell to, the people what your tattoo. I've I've tried to fix it since. <laughs> There's um, all the lasers and shit now. Yeah. So so uh, myself and one of my best friends, um, still to this day, um, grew up together in Montana, played ball together, all the stuff. Um, we go and we get these live life uh, to its fullest tattoos. Uh, graduation week of high school, and we go to the tattoo shop in Montana. And we go in there and we have the spelling correct. Okay. We <laughs> have so. just some bros being bros. We're going to get tatted together. You. That's you understand what bros me. do. You I understand can, let's me. Let's go. Okay. So we have it correct. And the woman who's about to, you know, do, do the tattoos, the tattoo artist, looks at us and she goes, This isn't correct. There should be an apostrophe here. And, you know, being two dipshit 18 year olds, we say, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. for sure. You, I trust you, you tattoo just, lady. You, know, <laughs> you seem not, like you're an English major. Why did we not text our parents? Why did we not text other friends? Why did we not like say, hey, no, Google. we just trusted her. We just trusted her and we rolled with it. And um, so, yeah, we fucked up and we put uh, uh, live life to it is fullest with the apostrophe in there on accident. Since then, we've done some art around it to kind of blend that apostrophe. Hopefully you don't see it. But obviously the S is moved a little bit too far from the T. No, hey, no regrets. No regrets. No regrets. That's it. No regrets. No regrets. Hey, dude, it's a couple of dudes broing out, being it. dudes. That was it. Sometimes. Yeah, it. But you know what? It led to a great story. Over. It's a great exactly, story. Led dude. to a great story. I, I, I told him this morning. I was like, I think it's better that like, way. No, and I yeah. told him, he's like, wow, that's and, great. And you know what? Life's a story, right? It is. So just uh, add to Look it. Look at us. Man. We're just chopping it up years later. Still, you know, we would, it. if it was spelled right, we wouldn't be talking about it. Yeah. And you know what? No one would have known about it if I wouldn't have done that dumbass thing that all quarterbacks do after you get a win and you know you put your hands put up going through the up, tunnel yeah. yeah 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 and that's when CBS you should you could have gone out. with the long sleeve like the joe montana sleeve so which why nobody does so anymore. why do you think my whole professional career i wore long sleeves oh that's mm. it because we just you, we needed that that chatter you probably to get some like a sharpie a flesh colored sharp something that just you know the technology is probably out. there now to remove it but it's almost just that would take that away way. from a day at, exactly. at the rock right? yeah true and, that and i don't want to spend a day at the tattoo shop when i could be playing golf good point yeah yeah, you're always thinking. Told you the guy's got story. life. The guy's got story. life figured out. All right, last one for me. Going back to your teammate who I knew you wouldn't trust with your life, Brandon Stokely. <laughs> what do you think is higher? <clears throat> his jersey number or his wonderlick? Oh my gosh. Do you remember his jersey number? Why do you have, yeah, 14. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. Gosh, don't make me answer that question. I do love Stokely so much. <laughs> don't I, say that. Just I, I talked to just get his ass. Jersey for sure. No question. Yeah. But you know what? He knows that yeah, too. Of course. That's why he's But great. you know what? When it comes to football, he's tough as nails. He's the ultimate teammate. He was a little bit tough on me as a rookie, though. That's because Peyton probably told him he'll do whatever he says. So he didn't have a rookie receiver, right? There was no rookie that mm -hmm. year. So he just kind of adopted me. So basically my entire Nike money allotment went to him and his children and their there feet and their shoes <laughs> and their bags and um, but he did come in handy. I do have to tell a story. It's our first road trip. We're week two. We play Atlanta Monday night football. Um, and it was my job per Stokely. Hey, you need to go get the receivers and Peyton food before we hit the plane. And I'm like, Stoke, don't we have food on the plane? He's like, yeah, we have food on the plane. We have great food on the plane, but I want Chipotle. So go get some Chipotle in between walkthrough and the time the bus leaves. <laughs> 
So I go around and I have a little piece of, you know, paper and a pen and, and I get all the receiver's orders and I'm cruising around and I save Peyton for last. I go to Peyton, I go, hey, P, uh, what do you want from Chipotle? And he goes, uh, give me a burger. <laughs> and I was like, and I go, no, P, what, 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 what do you want from Chipotle? He goes, yeah, just, just give me like a burger and some fries. I'm like, so I just kind of turn around and Stokely's locker is about six down and I cruise over to Stokes. I know they're best friends. And I'm like, hey, Stoke, I'm really confused. And I was always walking on eggshells around Peyton for that first year, year and a half. And uh, I'm like, hey, Stoke, Peyton wants a burger from Chipotle. What do I say to him? And he goes, he wants a burger? And I was like, I go, what's the deal? And he goes, well, think about it. It's Peyton. Do you think he's ever been to Chipotle? He's like, that guy hasn't been to a grocery store since 97. So long story short, he goes, listen, just go back to Peyton. He won't get mad at you. Just explain to him what Chipotle is and he'll pick something. <laughs> so long story short, I go back to Peyton's locker. I explain it to him and he, and he was just, you could just tell he had other shit on his mind, like trying to beat Atlanta on Monday Night Football and things like that. Um, and he goes, just give me whatever you get. So, yeah. <laughs> That's good. I called Stoke last night. I was like, give me something. I'm like, oh, man, I love Brock. He's, I got, he ordered, ordered my kids that's all it. the Nike ordered, stuff, man. For, for, for two years, that's man, it. he got so much Nike stuff he ordered. He took my whole account. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I love the guy. Only Hazen I gave him, he had to order me anything mm -hmm. I asked for. He's I was like, yeah. And he gave me blue feet, but that's a different story. Oh, I got God. Smurf feet for a oh, month. Oh, the, on the little prank deal? Yeah. 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 God, he's a greasy one. He's the best. All right, last one. Does the statement erratic yet gentle Best describe your golf game or your bedroom game? Oh, golf for sure. <laughs> you want to tell him where it came from? Golf for sure. A man you played with maybe yesterday, he goes, I said, give me, describe Brock's golf game. He goes, erratic yet gentle. I'm like, perfect. Immediately got a I was confused with my golf game yesterday. <laughs> but gentle. But gentle. He told me you got it up and down oh. from right of the water on 18 of the upper. Oh, you heard about that? I did. I heard oh, about wow. it. Oh, wow. That's... I was like, I've never even been there. I don't think... From yeah, the rocks. don't even look for that. You know, and I was very strategic about it, right? I hit a good tee shot, and, and there was a little wind yesterday, right? And so I grab a I grab an iron, and I'm going to aim kind of left of the green. I'm going to play a little cut. I'm going to take the water out of play. Well, I just fucking block it, right? But there was no water Took the water splash. out of play. Took the water out of play. So Ben goes, hey, I didn't see a splash. I think you can still play it. So we get up there and we cruise over there and yeah, there was a ball in the rocks. It was kind of in a bush, but I still had a decent lie. I can get a club on it, open up a 60, popped it over that tree on the right side of the green, spun it to three feet and made the putt. It was for all the dough too. Four I for mean, three, hundred bucks. Let's play go. Let's play. Let's you go. Know, Erratic and gentle. Hey, but don't ask me to hit a mid iron from a perfect lie in the fairway. That shit's hard. I need bush on the rocks out of a bush. That shit's hard. I like the tricky stuff. I like to open it up, kind of cut across the good old 60. Oh, you like Phil. Thing. Just need your imagination. Oh, don't put don't me in Phil, Phil category yeah, right yeah, now. You want to talk about Phil? We just, all right, let's go in now. Dude, Brock Osweiler. That was a blast, man. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks, you guys brother. for having me. Great. A lot of fun. Dude. Really cool. All right, well, that was Brock Osweiler joining us here on Golf Subpar. Man, what a fun dude. By the way, very well spoken. I was like, have you ever thought about getting into TV? He's as good as they come. Sounds like he might be headed that way in the near future, but he is just fun to be around. He's just always happy, loves golf, plays, plays bad, doesn't care, plays good, has a good time, no matter what. Uh, fun dude to be around. No no regrets. No regrets. No the tattoo regrets. thing was great. I, I dove deep into a few of those there. The tattoo is incredible. Live life to it is fullest. To it is fullest. What's wrong with that? <laughs> I saw when you asked the question, I was kind of just peeking out of sight of my eyes. Were you like, have you seen, uh, what's the movie? We're the Millers. He goes, oh, oh, great Millers. movie. I love it. I was like, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. Uh, coming. So good. But how about, but one of my favorite parts of that as well is that he's a rookie. 
And he's going there and he's going to go get Chipotle for all the guys. And yeah. he asks Peyton, what do you want? So he's like, hamburger. And he's like, um, here's the, here's just the deal, bro. Just, just go figure rookie. out where you yeah. get a hamburger and get it. I'm Peyton Manning. I guarantee wherever you're going, there's a cheeseburger nearby. Yeah. Figure right. it out, Rook. I love it, man. That man loves him some golf. Gotten in some, on some action with world number one, John Rahm. You got a good teacher in John. But it's got to be hard. I mean, he's, what is he, 6'5", 6'6"? Six, six, oh, he's, I mean, he's like 6'7". Yeah, he's huge. Enormous. I was out there catching balls from him in the yard. I was like, good God. It Can he still in, sling it? It spins. It spins yeah. a little bit. It looks a little bit different than ours. That's like I've thrown the ball with DA a few times, Derek Anderson. And the same thing. I'm like, God damn, you guys can throw and it hard. And he's just like flicking it. I'm like, what yeah. if he actually tried to send one? Broken hands, 100%. Obviously, I caught everything. Didn't drop one? Not one. Dude. A little I'm better sure than our handed. boy. I'm like Stokely, but more athletic. Little boy, like our boy TK, catching the punts out at Whisper Rock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very similar to that, in fact. All right. Well, thanks to Brock Osweiler for joining us. That one was a lot of fun. Now it's time to get to some gambling with our guys over at FanDuel. And Sleaze, we've been on a little bit of a cold streak the last couple of weeks. Luke warm. We were looking really nice after 36 yeah. this week. And Adam Hadwin, Dark Horse, was right there. Tyrrell and Louie were both in the in the um, top 10. All right. Well, before we get to our golf picks, I got to tell you about this because our guys over at FanDuel, obviously they have incredible bets. But I read a story. On Twitter, my favorite thing in the world, Twitter. You're on that. But over, it's March Madness. So there's all that. kinds of action going on right now. Well, there was a customer who decided to go through during the round of 32. There's 16 games you can possibly bet on, okay? Correct. This man did a 15-team parlay. 15. Decided to leave out the Baylor-North Carolina game. Not sure why. He just decided he didn't like that one. Okay. He took 15 games all on the money line parlay, $25, hit every single one of them, and he won... Well, he or she, I'm not sure. It's just right, a customer. Right, right. Won $103,000 in change. That's enough for me to fire the okay? entire next round parlay. I did a parlay just recently. Can we just address it right now? My guts my guts being ripped out of my body on TCU Arizona. Well, with all my nitwit Arizona guts, friends, dude. Well, hold on. Before you get the to that. The one game. Before you get to that. Okay, go. You, I mean, this is your chance right here. Producer Mark is sitting on the other side. I was going to get to that. Seton Hall, I mean, TCU played the first round. It's nice to have a bye in the first round. You got the boys <laughs> from Seton Hall come in like, okay, here's a little warm-up. We're getting the double birds right now from the producer. I was like, this will be a nice warm-up. We're obviously going to win. We're obviously going to get Arizona. Did I expect it to be 27 points and just an absolute boat race? Varsity versus JV? No. But you know what? I told Mark, we did y'all a favor. Think of the offseason they're going to have now with that motivation. We don't have it. You know what I mean? We just got our hearts ripped out against Arizona. They just got kicked in the face. And sometimes you just run into a team Mm -hmm. that's athletically superior, basketball fundamentally superior, and you just get worked. And now you go back, and they're going to have a great summer because they're going to be pissed off. We actually did them a favor. So now what you're saying is because your Frogs just lost to Arizona, which is a tough one. All your friends are there. You're saying you'd rather the Frogs gotten kicked in the face like Seton Hall did than to lose the way they did. Oh, I would never rather get kicked in the face. Think how embarrassing (laughs) that is when you're hyping your team the whole season and they get just blown out and run out of the arena. But I'm just saying – we're helping them because this motivation that they have losses like that cold on national television. That's embarrassing in front of your family. They all show up and you just get worked over like that. It was tough to watch. I mean, they're just kids at the end of the day. These poor kids <laughs> are trying their hearts out. They just don't have it. You know, it's like they're like a bunch of Rudy Rudigers out there just running up against bigger dogs. And then we took the big show to Arizona and they ripped our hearts out of the last minute where the ref swallowed his whistle. We got fouled. Should have won the game with some <laughs> free throws. But we got gypped. And, of course, they're going to take care of the top seeds. It is what it is. Everyone knows TC won that game. All right. Well, I'm sorry about your loss. But there's still a lot more March Madness to get to and a lot more golf to gamble on as well because this week we're on the to the WGC match play. And it's time to step up to the tee and take a swing at betting the PGA Tour on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, 
New customers can place their first PGA Tour bet and get $150 instant bonus guaranteed. That's right, you'll get $150 in bonus site credit, and all you have to do is place your first bet of $5 or more. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app's extremely easy to use. There's a range of betting options like outright winners, head-to-head matchups, nationality props, and so much more. And when you win, what happens? Two hours. You get it crazy chicken. fast. Chicken. Instant chicken in the account. You know what I'm big on right now? I've been firing heavy on FanDuel during March Madness, obviously. The live betting. I like to get in there, feel out the game, feel out the <laughs> oh, tempo, God. and then send it late in the second half. Great way but, to but, add some excitement and some cheese. But this week... With the PGA Tour and the match play, yes. I mean, we got thirty. We got so many matches because there's sixteen different groups. There's all we got to do a little round robin form round round robin format. You can bet on so many matches; it's, it's ridiculous. It's you can get rich lot. or maybe go broke, but whatever. We hope you get rich. But you're gonna have a hell of a time doing either one with our guys over at Fandle. So let's let's figure out who we're gonna take yes. this week. Austin Country Club, great golf course, really fun. You and I have both had the chance to play it. Great match play course. Kevin Kisner's got an incredible record around here. Shockingly, John Rom, world number one, is your favorite. But uh, let's, let's let's go. Let's let's, let's get dig let's in. get hot. Let's dig in. This, this is the tricky one. This to one's bet. borderline I mean, impossible. It's tough. You can go two zero and one, losing a playoff, don't advance. The top seeds are all going down. Last year, the lower seeds had a higher winning percentage than the lower seeds. It's eighteen holes. It's a tough one to bet. But we'll probably we'll probably pick off the winner. Right the lower now. seeds had a higher winning percentage. You know than what I mean. The seeds. underdogs yeah. had a better yeah. track record. Uh, against the higher seats. All right, well, let's let's bounce back here. Obviously, no surprise. I mean, I think we could just like cut and paste our interview each time with this or our our segment from this each time that we like Victor Hovland. Okay. I mean, I love Victor Hovland. He's going off at fifteen to one. He, this is his fourth week in a row. I'm sure he's a little bit gassed, but as good as he hits it, he just wears opponents down. It's it's ridiculous. And he's in a group though with Will Zalatoris, Cameron Tringali, and Sepp Straka, who Sepp Straka has been playing some really nice golf. Obviously, we know Will Zalatoris is a stud. Victor Hovland, fifteen to one. I mean, the number's not great, but I really, really like him. The guy I'm looking at, though, a lot here, Sleaze, played really, really well at the players, took last week off to rest, which is shocking to me because Innisbrook is an ATM machine for him. But Paul Casey's going off at 36-1. to He's in a group with Louis Ustazen, Corey Connors, your guy, mm, and Alex Norin. But I, I really like Paul Casey to do big things right off. What's his odds? Thirty six to one. Okay, it's a very nice value. Now we're talking. Yep, that's a, that's a nice little clip there. Victor Hovland, like we talk about how much he plays, but I mean, how stress free are his rounds? When you hit seventeen <laughs> greens and everything joke. goes right, you're looking. It's not that exhausting out there. So yeah, Vicky will just probably be picking him for the rest of the year. I'm going with the guy here. My first one. Still some pretty good odds here. I'm really high on this guy going into this week. Daniel Berger going off at twenty nine to one. Okay, he's in a group with Tyrrell Hatton. Siwoo Kim, and Christian Bezaden-Hoot. We'll just call him Seabaz because there's a lot of different pronunciations out there. But if you look at what Daniel Berger's done recently, fourth at Honda, 13th at the Players was right there going in. He's playing really, really good golf. I love the way he puts the ball. It's part of the reason why Kiz, I think, has had such a good track record. These guys that get up and down, make the nine-footers, ten-footers for par. I love Daniel Berger going into this week. And I think there's no easy groups in this no. thing. It's the top 64 in the world. Every, But I think there are tougher draws than this uh, in some of these groups that um, opposed to what Daniel Berger has. Tough to get out of any of them, but if you do, it's anybody's ball game. So I got Berger at 29-1, to 1, going a little bit down the list, same as your odds, 36-1. to 1, got Shane Lowry. So, I mean, he was close at Bay Hill. He's swinging it nice right now. He's got a, t- a little tougher group. He's got Brooks in there. It was kind of a wild card. You don't know which Brooks you're going to get. Harold Varner III, who, by the way, just punched his ticket to Augusta Hell National. Yeah. Officially, mathematically, 39th in the World Golf Rankings. He'll be in there at Augusta. And Eric Van Royen are in that group. So, I'm taking Lowry. I just feel like he's swinging it nice right now. He also puts it and just can grind you down around there. So, 
D Burger, Shane Lowry, my two. All right, I'm going to go a little further down the list because when I say dark horses, I actually pick some. Okay. You just pick basically two of the I top. Just pick 15. middle of the road guys. Whatever. But uh, I'm going to go with a guy who really loves Pete Dye golf courses. Has had success over at Hilton Head at Harbor Town. Great ball striker. Great iron player. These greens around Austin Country Club are not the biggest, and I really, really think he can just wear you down. He doesn't hit it that far, but like a lot like Victor, a less powerful Victor Hovland in my mind. He just doesn't make many mistakes. Abe Answer going off at 55-1. to 1. Really like that number. He's in a group with Webb Simpson, who has not been playing very, very well. Um, Bubba Watson and Brian Harmon, which Brian Harmon concerns me a little bit. Bubba Watson's a winner around here. But for the value, I like Abe Answer to just go wear some guys out. Yep. I think if they can get a little breeze down there, firm and fast it up a little bit, the more it's like that, the more I like Abe. He can just hit those little BBs. All right, so go low this summer and bet on the PGA Tour. Join FanDuel today with promo code SUBPAR. Then you can place your $5 bet to score $150 in bonus site credit. Guaranteed. FanDuel Sportsbook, official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Must be 21 years old and older and present in Arizona, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, New Jersey, New York, or Wyoming. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit expires 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in New Jersey, Iowa, or Illinois. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467- 369 in New York or 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. I hear I wake up in the middle of the night and I hear that disclaimer. You hear that? Yeah. You almost got that thing memorized verbatim. You don't Give need any of those weeks. numbers, by the way. Like I said, just keep doing you. Everything will be fine. Well, make sure you go get the FanDuel Sportsbook. Use code SUBPAR so they know that we sent you. And thanks to everybody for listening. We'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar. <laughs>